There's a new way to bet on things outside of sports with Kalshi. Maybe you have a thought on TikTok. Will Congress ban it or won't they? Taylor Swift's new album, Will or Won't It Be Album of the Year? What about Biden's approval rating? And a whole lot more. You can trade futures on all of that and make money if you're correct. $10 bonus to the first 500 people who sign up by going to Kalshi.com slash numbers game spelled K-A-L-S-H-I. There's no guarantee of performance and an investor could lose their entire investment, including fees. iHeartMedia does not recommend any investments. See further disclosures at Kalshi.com. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. A numbers game on v the sports betting network. Become a smarter sports better with v Pro subscription. For a limited time, you can sign up for just $9.99, get full access to everything you do. That would include daily pro picks on all the summer action, including NFL and college football futures, premium analysis from our top team of handicappers and industry experts, 24-7 video access and pro tools like our exclusive betting splits showing you where the public and sharp money is going to give you an edge. Don't miss out on our lowest intro price of the year. Visit vcid.com slash subscribe to sign up today. All right, a numbers game here on VSIN. Jonathan Von Tobel filling in for Gil Alexander. Uh, NBA draft, of course, that is quickly approaching less than a week away. Next Thursday, we will hear names called, and markets are starting to go up a little bit more. I, I thought it was fascinating, though, because we talked about this yesterday, and while we were recording Hardwood Handicappers, Kelly, and while we were on the air just discussing it, there was a lot of movement in the NBA betting market when it came to the draft, and I thought it was worth at least – highlighting a couple of them before we get to some of the surprising names that are starting to pop up because now you're getting more information. And I would say that more information about now is probably going to be a little bit more accurate. Um, But let's first talk about some of the odd shifts that we've seen uh, when it comes to at least some of the props that have been up there for a while. Uh, First of which is, uh, let's talk about second overall picks. So this was one that you had brought up uh, ever, like just slowly but surely. We saw that the second overall pick odds for Brandon Miller were just moving in his direction steadily. Um, And yet, here you go, minus 250 was, I think, the peak price that I saw for him. As of this morning, minus 170. Again, this happened over the last 24 hours. So he's down to minus 170 to go second overall. Scoot Miller up, uh, Scoot Henderson, excuse me, up to plus 110. Scoot Henderson to go third overall goes from minus 185 yesterday to minus 150. And I will say, this does come on the heels. I don't know if you listened yesterday, Kelly. But there was a um, there was a, a podcast. Jonathan Gavoni and uh, Zach Lowe and Bobby Marks. Yep. They were uh, they did a podcast talk about the draft. And Jonathan Gavoni actually gave some more like words to the workouts over the weekend. Scoot Henderson apparently killed the workout uh, against Charlotte uh, or, for, or for Charlotte. And Brandon Miller, he was actually there. They worked out together. Maybe not the best when it came to Brandon Miller's workout. Conditioning was an issue, but Gavoni still said that Miller would probably be the selection, just that the gap between them had shrunk. And on the heels of that podcast, what do you get? A shrink of the odds, right? Brandon Miller down to minus 170. The other, Amon Thompson over Asar Thompson. We've seen this climb back. Goes from minus 210 to minus 350. Again, this is over the course of the last 24 hours. And then Asar Thompson over Jairus Walker. Walker, all of a sudden, after sliding, in terms of the odds at least, is making a late push now. Asar Thompson got as high as minus 160, now minus 115. I think Walker's one of the interesting ones because, like I said, hadn't really heard anything positive or anything. He just kept sliding because yeah. everybody else was moving up. Now, all of a sudden, it, you know what it reminds me of? 
it's like the quarterbacks, except at a lesser level, which is if you looked at C.J. Stroud for a while, what did we know? It was it was going to be um, – why is his name escaping me? Wow. Bryce Young. Young. Yeah. yeah. It was Bryce Young, number one, C.J. Stroud, number two. Stroud kind of slips. Everybody's like, watch out. Stroud could fall. And then right at the time we get to the draft, what happens? Stroud was right back. He was going to be the second quarterback taken. Same thing here maybe with Jairus Walker. Like for a while, Walker was going to be like the fifth the fifth guy in that mix, whatever. He starts to slide, yeah. and now we're starting to see that snap back for Walker. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I'm getting that feeling, you know, because I didn't have a great NFL draft. I'm getting that feeling for <laughs> number two, number three. Right, yep. Right? It was, yeah, that you was know, for how long was it Scoot was the – I mean, at this time a year ago, we were talking about – Scoot versus Wembenyama for the first overall pick, right? Like, that. that's what we were talking about. And then a couple months later, it was like, all right, well, Wembenyama's obviously the number one pick, but Scoot's number two right behind it. And ever since, like, the NCAA tournament, we've had this shift towards Brandon Miller. And, like, could that same thing be happening at two and three? And I'm going to probably vomit if it does. Right. Uh, because I've got nice tickets on Brandon Miller, too, as you as do you, and uh, Scoot three. Um but yeah, I, w- I think the way to read into the rest of the rest of the top ten. I know we're going to look at odds here in a sec on those, but these, it, like the Thompson brothers, are the key to figuring out how this order is going to go. Yep. And JVZ, I don't know if anybody has a real firm handle on what's going to happen with those two guys. And, and a lot of it, not just them, has to do with teams too, right? Yep. Team needs and team trades, and a lot of these reports of teams wanting to move up. But what you get. If, as far as kind of like the big board, right? It's just a big board of talent. It's a lot of guards after Victor Wembanyama, right? So yep. there is, there's going to be teams that even though they might be the more talented players, they they might fall just because got, teams want a want a more secure big men or wing player from from a college, right? I think that's what you're seeing with the, you know, Hendricks of the world, the Walkers of the world. Yep. Um, you know, even Derek Lively out of Duke, right? I think there is at least a sense, a more sense of comfort for going after one of these big guys, wing players, instead of one of these unknown guards, which I think there's still a little bit of a feeling of. Yep, absolutely. So you mentioned the top 10. So we have two massive favorites to land inside of the top 10, and, and that is rightfully so. Anthony Black is minus 3,000 to be a top 10 selection. And this is an index prop, so it can't come in and bet the no. Uh, this is just odds to be drafted top 10. So Anthony Black at the top, minus 3,000. Taylor Hendricks, minus 2,000. I mentioned a surprising name that was tied to the Detroit Pistons in one of the most recent articles over the end of the Athletic. Uh, Hendricks was one of them. Taylor Hendricks uh, is one of the names apparently being thrown around for the Detroit Pistons at number five. I would assume it's the way that the board breaks one through four, depending on what the Detroit Pistons are going to do there. But Hendricks is, I think, one of those risers. Initially, his draft position prop nine and a half, now eight and a half. He does seem uh, a near certainty to be selected in the top ten. So what's interesting here is, so let's let's take a look overall. In, in no particular order, Kelly, we're talking about Wambanyama, Brandon. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, no. That's that's what you have to do first before yeah, yeah. looking at this market, yep. right? So it's uh, Wemanyama, Brandon Miller, it is Scoot Henderson, it is Amon Thompson, it is Cam Whitmore. In no particular order either, uh, I would say Asar Thompson, Jarris Walker are near certainties to be top 10 picks. Would you say that? Yes, I, I haven't and, seen, and Taylor Hendricks. Yeah, yeah, and I haven't seen anything of it. So then, yeah, we're talking about what, up to seven. Let's go Taylor Hendricks. That would be eight. So really, you're trying to find wiggle room here when you're betting this on two guys. Anthony Black is probably one of them. And, and really, and I think this actually strengthens it, 
Anthony Black's been tied to the Washington Wizards in almost every single draft. Yep. Every mock draft mm -hmm. that you look at, every single thing, I don't think I've seen a lot of mock drafts that and, don't have Anthony Black getting selected number nine. And outside of that, JVC, I just haven't heard. It's another guy you haven't really heard much about, right? Yep. Like, we we heard about him all throughout the college basketball season as, as being a lottery pick. But then we haven't really – but then we really haven't heard much in the past, I don't know, two months. Yep. And, and I have to tell you, I don't know what you would do with this market overall because if that's all certain, so we essentially have nine selections that we're pretty sure are going to be top right. ten picks. So of these guys, you're essentially saying, which one's going to sneak into number ten? And if you look at it, the problem with it is that the tenth overall selection right now is the Dallas Mavericks. The Mavericks, by all accounts – want to shop that pick they wanted a top 10 pick for a reason so they could use it to go do something because their roster is extremely thin they don't know what's going to happen they want to add peace or a piece next to Luka Doncic and what they would hope would be Kyrie Irving so you don't really know what the selection is going to be because I don't think we know the team who's making that 10th overall pick yeah I like I tend to think it's that Derek Lively is has a really good chance of going with that that 10th spot but <laughs> to your point, I think that it's so up in the air that I almost think you need to look further down the board. And, and the, the only name I'm going to bring up here that I would maybe consider uh, is Bilal. Bilal Koulibaly, yep. the, the teammate of Victor Webmanyama, who has been – he's just been rising. He's been yep. rising as, as his teams continue to play. That's something that Luke brought up yesterday. It's a great point where all these other guys are just doing workouts and not playing right now. You know, they're they, they've been playing – uh, the, the the Metropolitans have been playing up until what? It was a week, a couple yep. days ago, a week and ago. It's worth noting, Gavoni put in his latest mock draft that the Utah Jazz, who picked number nine, did send people just last week to go give him another look there while he was playing. So yeah. there's so, at least interest there. I think you would. I think if you're looking at this, at looking at these odds, I'd rather take a longer shot, five to one price on him, than than you know, yeah, Derek Lively. I I think has a good chance of going in that top ten. But again, we're really only talking about kind of one pick here. At least if you yep. assume. You know, you assume the Thompson Twins, nothing's going to ha happen there, right? Nobody's going to fall like crazy. If we assume we kind of know eight to nine names, then I think you got to go with a longer shot here. Yep, I would agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah, because everything and else. And he's the just... only one. Like, I mean, any of these other guys, though, around his odds, have you even heard of going in the top ten? Nah, I mean, so at one point early on, Jalen Hood-Shafino was a guy that maybe could have made it in there for upside. Uh, there was a couple of mock drafts that tied the Jazz to him, but that's been gone for a while now. He's now in the mid, like, you know, 12 to 14 range uh, from what I've seen. I think that's really the only name out of all of these. It's the only name that I've seen can, like, at least at one point in some mock drafts that I've read inside of the top 10. And to your point about Grady Dick, all accounts are he's one of those that has improved his stock because of the way that his offseason has gone in terms of workouts, in terms of the way that he's, uh, you know, met with teams and whatnot. So we'll see if that's going to be the case. I, man, Lively's going to be a good center, but it's going to be interesting to see if that's going to be worth a top 10 selection. Right. You know? Yeah, right, which is, I think, that is the statement about him, right? Yeah. I think – does his game translate? I don't know. I think he I think he took, like, 13 threes last year and made, like, two of them. Yep. So, you know, is he – what does that mean? Is that a guy that you're going to try to stretch the floor with more over time? Or, no, are we just a seven-foot-one old-school center – and you can't do much beyond that. I don't know. I do love that uh, in Gavoni's latest mock draft, the whole intro is about how 
Scoot Henderson's still in play at number two, and then he still puts Brandon Miller at number two. I think that kind of tells you a little bit. I read that this morning and got confused, too. (laughs) Right. Like, that's the whole lead of the article. And then it's like, nope, he's uh, he's actually not moving up, though. All right, we got plenty left to get to. Uh, I'm not going to get excited. We have to talk about Otani really quickly when we come back. The guy was brilliant in this series against Texas, and those Angels, man, one game out of the wild card. A numbers game on VSIN, the sports betting network. A lot of reasons to become a VSIN Pro subscriber today. One of the reasons, you get a daily email recapping all the best bets from show hosts and guests. You also get an unlimited access to our VSIN.com picks page where you can sort picks by sport matchup, event date, and more. Check the top VSIN experts leaderboard, view betting records, profit, ROI, and see which VSIN expert has the hot hand. VEASAN Pro Picks, betting splits, power ratings, plus 24-7 video access. Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today. Sign up now for only $9.99 at slash subscribe. I almost, play, I almost did, uh, committed the cardinal sin there. I almost slipped, called it Vizen, which is when I do a lot of the guest <laughs> hits, that's what I get a lot. It's Jonathan Van Tobel from Vizen. <laughs> How you doing, Van Tobel? <laughs> uh, that's one of the things I'll never understand. It's like an O. It's, it's an O. I don't know why you immediately go to Van. It's such a weird thing. Yeah, it is. It's not even the other sound that, that, for that's, the O. Well, that's way more odd to me than, than the Vizen. Yeah. Like, I get, I get that. I yep. get that. It, but it, then you just say Vizen one time to people, and they're like, oh, I get it. Yep, yeah, I get it. It's Vizen, Sin City. I get it. I get it. Uh, okay, so uh, we do have – I wanted to hit on – you know, I mentioned a, a pretty intriguing pitching matchup later today. It's going to go down in Arizona. The Diamondbacks have, have lost three straight. And comes on the heels, by the way. I don't know if you saw this yesterday – uh, Dodgers, you know, some quotes coming out of Los Angeles that they're kind of feeling it. They're been a little shaky so far, uh, but a good win for the Dodgers last night. Game time, grand slam, and then a walk off later uh, on a sack fly. So the D-backs maybe feeling some heat after losing three straight. Again, I don't think the Dodgers are ever really going to go away in that division. But they're at home today. Zach Gallen is going to get the start here for the Diamondbacks. I mentioned this is an intriguing matchup because Tristan McKenzie is going to make his third start of the season and two starts for Tristan McKenzie on opposite sides of the spectrum. First start goes out against Minnesota. Absolutely brilliant. Five innings of work, just gives up one hit, strikes out 10. He was incredible uh, in terms of what McKenzie was able to do in his first start of the season. Second start of the season, not so much. Another five innings, but seven hits, five earned runs. Gave up a shot to there against the Houston Astros. We know that McKenzie is going to be very good. It's just that he had a late start to the year because of an injury, maybe a little up and down. The Astros are also pretty good. So I'm very fascinated to see what Tristan McKenzie is going to bring to the table, but even more fascinated by Zach Gallen. I don't know if we brought this up with you or if it was Femi over the weekend, and I'm sure Gil's talked about this quite a bit. But, uh, was you, you and I talking about it. Okay, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. The, the home road splits for Zach Gallen are incredible when you look at them. On the road this season, Zach Gallen, uh, let's see, 579 ERA over 37 and a third innings of work. He's given up three, three home runs. He's got a 33 to 12 strikeout to walk ratio. At home, he is, uh, he's won six decisions. Oh, zero, uh, 0.96 ERA over seven starts. So a very stark contrast over the course of a uh, similar amount of starts, actually seven starts each way, but 10 more innings pitched in those seven starts at home. So he's lasting longer in terms of his outings, a 60 to seven strikeout to walk ratio for gallon. When he pitches at home, that's not bad. It, no, it's not. It's brilliant. <laughs> and it's weird because you look at it. He's coming off of a start on the road against Detroit when five and two thirds got nailed for five earned runs, struck out five, these home road splits have been dramatic, and I guess do you do you do you just buy in 
that Gallon's just going to be the guy that we expect him to be here and that $1.47 accurately priced. You know, this is a team, too. Kelly, I know that we talked about this last time when we were talking about the Arizona Diamondbacks. I think we brought this up just a couple of days ago where it's interesting to watch the way the market has priced them. Again, the starting pitcher has a lot to do with it. Just earlier in the week when they got smacked around by the Philadelphia Phillies, they were, kept, they were what, plus 120, plus 130 at home? Against the Philadelphia right. yeah, Phillies, yeah. and then here they are laying a buck forty-seven against the Guardians with a, with a very good pitcher. It's because Zach Gallon's on the hill. I'll be fascinated to watch Gallon coming off of that really bad start here at home, um, coming off the bad start against the the, uh, the Detroit Tigers. Wait, so so going back to that conversation we had, do you, you do you think this price is still too cheap on the, on the Diamondbacks? I, I no, I think that this is probably right where it should be. Okay. Maybe I would actually argue maybe getting on the verge of a little too expensive. Okay. Yep. Because while Gallon is dominant and he deserves it. Like, I always find the home road split thing very interesting to follow because still, we're only talking about seven games. So it's still an inherently small sample size of just seven starts for Gallon, both home and road. So 14 overall. Like, like the guy, essentially put it this way, the guy that has a 570 whatever ERA on the road is still the guy that's pitching tonight. So they're like, there's something there. You know what I'm saying? So like, I, I'm really fascinated to see like what this is going to be when he comes out here today. And especially when you get Tristan McKenzie on the hill on the other side. And speaking of, Cleveland is also one of the reasons why, like, or McKenzie, like the, the arms for Cleveland are good. They, they have a good rotation. McKenzie's going to come around, be healthy, get stretched out, and be able to last in some of these starts. He's going to be a really big weapon for them. I still wouldn't chalk them up as dead in that division. We'll see what the trade deadline looks like. But that division as a whole is, as we know, kind of abhorrent. Um, both centrals are pretty bad. But like, the, like you were mentioning it in the break, like what the, the Houston Astros are the biggest favorites in their division at what minus one hundred five. Yeah, 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 and, and they are they are the long the longest the longest division favorite at, at minus one hundred five. Okay, all right. All right Everybody this, yeah. else is larger odds on favorites. Yes, there we go. In Sorry, every other division. That. Yep. Like, so we'll see if this is going to be. But this this AL Central is going to be fascinating as we watch this thing play out, especially with teams like Cleveland there. So I'm gonna, I'm going to spin it to you then that that way. So the Centrals I've been hearing about. These, these are part of my division question. Division questions for JVT. Okay. Um. So both the Centrals, right? We've got Twins minus two fifteen in the AL Central. Brewers minus 120. Obviously not huge favorites there. But, I mean, are dogs live in both of these divisions? Oh, I would say for sure in the NL Central. I mean, because, so you have, you mentioned it, the Brewers are the favorites, but they're still a half game back from the Pirates. Yep. You have the Cincinnati Reds, who have won five straight, who've got Ellie De La Cruz up, who all of a sudden you're looking around and going, dude, we're only one game under 500, right? Like, we could actually start to make a push here and win a terrible division because we're actually playing some relatively solid baseball and have some really good talent on this roster. I, I would say this one for sure. I think that there's plenty of teams that are going to be live here at a plus price. What are your thoughts on the Cardinals specifically? Because no, this, this was the team a few weeks ago that everybody was like, well, the roster's great. They're off to a bad start. This is the time to jump in on them. And then what? They've been, they've gone through another you know kind of lo- losing streak or losing they, couple weeks. They've right? lost five. So they've lost five straight now. The, again, the, the Cardinals have. Uh, they're two and eight in their last ten. I can, I bet I bet them to win the uh, National League. So and I got them at like twenty one to one or something like that. And that was when they were kind of a pro. They were kind of going through that stretch like really good stretch of of, of baseball. But like it, it's just what irritates you is like the up and down nature of the way that they lose certain games. You know, the other day against the uh, Giants, for example, you go out there, you hit a grand slam early on to plate four, and you're like, okay, here we go. You can get this thing done. All of a sudden, you're, you're pitching. All of a sudden, just kind of starts to shrivel up here. Give a bait, you end up losing that thing. Like, there's so many different ways in which they have lost. And 
you're also starting to get the noise now, right? Where the Cardinals are starting to come out and be like, no, 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 don't worry. Our manager, you know, our he's fine. You know, everything's good. You had a lot of noise with uh, Marmol and, of course, Tyler O'Neill and what's going to happen, what happened there at the beginning of the season. It just feels like this is totally non-scientific. Vibes, not good. Not good vibes with the St. Louis Cardinals. So I think that's a dead bet that I made. Okay. I, I, at 21-1, I think, I think that uh, National League ticket's dead. Okay. Uh, all right, I'm going to throw a couple others at you. AL East. Most likely team to challenge the Rays. I'm not even going to say they're going to beat them, but at least give them a run for their money. Is guys? there anybody there? Or oh, nobody? I thought you were going to throw out the, the Baltimore Mountcastles. No, no. Well, it could be the Baltimore Mountcastles, but are any of these teams going to really give the Rays a challenge down the, I mean, not down the stretch. We're, what is it, June 16th? Come yeah. on, we got a ton of season to go. Yeah, but, and they have a five game lead over uh, Baltimore, nine and a half. The Yankees are nine and a half back. I mean, the likely, obviously, the likely choice is Baltimore, but I just don't think that's going to be the case. Just not a believer. Yeah, okay. No, it's not even that. I just think the Rays are good enough that they're going to just be able to maintain their distance between them. I mean, we've seen now quite a few starts from Glasnow. Glasnow's been really freaking good since he's come back. So their starting pitching staff is going to get stronger. I still have, like, real questions in terms of what's going to happen with their bullpen. You know, as we talked about at one point, and I'll double-check the numbers right now, it still might be the case. But in terms of their relievers, uh, the expected fielding independent for their relievers was uh, second worst in Major League Baseball, only behind the Oakland Athletics. Uh, let's see. Still the case right now. Oakland's got a 540 bullpen uh, XFIP, 474 for the Tampa Bay Rays. That's going to be a little bit of a question, yeah, right? Yikes. Like, wow. as you kind of move forward, is that is that bullpen going to start to kind of shrivel up a little bit more? Because we're starting to see it. 401 collective ERA for them. So, I think maybe there's a reality in which they start to fall back to the pack and, and Baltimore I maybe starts to catch them. But, like, we'll take the Yankees, for example. The reports indicate that they're going to take their time with Judge. Mm-hmm. And it's been – as what did, what did she say I mean, yesterday? Why would you rush him back? Right. Yeah. And what did she call him yesterday? Aaron Judge and the Judgettes? Like, yeah, it's yeah, really like a team that's <laughs> heavily reliant on him in the lineup. I, I would say that of – if we're talking about division favorites – I think they're the one I have the most faith in, that okay. they're just going to keep their the rest of their teams at arm's length. I got another divi- another division, basically same question, NL West. Is this a Dodgers minus 215 to win, to win that division right now? Is anybody going to challenge them? Are the Diamondbacks for real? Or are the Padres going to have some positive regression here, at least a little bit from what we thought they were going to do preseason, right? Yep. And or, or are the Giants for real? And they're only four and a half back. Are they going to actually do something this year? I actually, I think the Diamondbacks are pretty for real. Like, I think their bullpen's really solid. Their metrics would paint uh, point uh, point that out. We know that they have a dominant arm, at least at home, at the top. At least at home. <laughs> uh, right? And Zach Gallen. Hmm. They're, I will they say. They are five to one. They are five to one. Five what to saying? one to win to that, win that division. division. I understand why the Dodgers are who they are for a reason. Right. They're deep and eventually some better luck in terms of availability and in, uh, in pitching is going to come to them. It's only two games. I still think I'm taking my shot with the D-backs though, man. That offense is good and that pitching staff solid. I like it. I yeah. can name like three players on the team, but they're my squad now. That's you know okay. why, JVD? Because I can watch them. I can watch, <laughs> I can watch Corbin Carroll's hair flow in the wind as he's rounded the bases. That's yeah, pretty good. That's right. All right. Now, when we come back, our, our guest in the studio, Paul Carr, is going to be with us. Let's talk a little international soccer, what we saw last night over at Allegiant as well between USA and Mexico. A numbers game on VSIN, the sports betting network. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits. 
like uh, betting, uh, bonus bets, bet insurance tokens. Planning a trip to Vegas, you can also convert your BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points that you can use towards dining, shows, and hotel rooms at over 20 resorts properties located on the Vegas Strip and nationwide. Sign up BetMGM, log on today to get an even bigger piece of the action. Eligibility restrictions apply. BetMGM and GameSense reminds you to play responsibly. Visit BetMGM for terms. Got to be 21. New and existing customer offer. All promotions subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets, which expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, really excited to welcome in Paul Carr, who is here at the desk, Senior Director of Content, True Media Sports, does a lot of different stuff for a lot of yeah. different folks uh, here in town, doing work for CBS right up at the That's booth. Right. So yeah. uh, you were actually – it's funny, I totally forgot I was driving home yesterday – and I'm driving by Allegiant, and I'm like, man, what is happening? Like, I'm seeing a lot of people in Mexico jerseys, and yep. then it hit me. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. We got USA-Mexico today. So a 3-0 win for the Americans first off. Um, walk people through what happened yesterday because <laughs> it was a somewhat chaotic end. Yep. Uh, people were surprised uh, about a, a very – we won't call it quick, but an early stop yeah. in extra time last night. Yeah, so the U.S. was up 3-0. It's a typical U.S.-Mexico game, which is very physical – a lot of handbags, as they would say in England, people pushing and shoving, four red cards, two for each side. Uh, but then what cut the game short, so a couple years ago, CONCACAF instituted a anti-discriminatory chant policy, mm. which stemmed from, generally, Mexico fans yelling something when the opponents take a goal kick. It's basically a homophobic slur. Mm. And so CONCACAF instituted this multi-step policy where you, know, you pause the game, you stop the game for a few minutes, et cetera, et cetera. The last one of those is basically you can stop the game and call it. And whether directly related to that or not, CONCACAF was a little vague on it. They'd put up 12 minutes of stoppage time at the end of the second half, and they stopped it after about half that. Yep. Now, stoppage time is at the ref's discretion, so there's no right, wrong thing. There's no gambling angle, right. I don't think, here. That but there were some that were trying to make it. Like, right. there were still four minutes. Like, yeah, relax. Right. It's eight minutes in, you're, you're fine. Right, yeah. So I don't think there's anything, you know, there's no angle there from a betting standpoint. Yep. But it, it really was just like a mercy killing. It's like, all right, it's 3-0. Right. We don't need anyone else to get hurt, suspended, whatever it is. So I'm fine with that. It changed nothing unless maybe you had over three and a half. So this is part of the CONCACAF Nations League. Um, so that was the semifinals. They get the right. final against Canada. First off, just general soccer question. Um, the dynamic between USA and Mexico, I feel like that has kind of shifted a little bit yep. in the Americans' favor. So is this something that's legitimate? Like, as we move Absolutely. forward, there's a, like it seems like there's an emerging gap between the two. Yeah, I mean, so Mexico obviously dominated this series for, I mean, up until the early 2000s at yeah. least. But since 2000, the U.S. has a winning record against Mexico. They're unbeaten in six straight games against Mexico overall, which ties the longest streak for the U.S. ever. Uh, they beat them in two finals two years ago. They beat them here. Uh, Mexico's just frankly, not as good as they were five, ten years ago. They're not as intimidating. U.S. has this young generation that is not scared and just wants to go right at you. You saw a lot of them you know, standing up for each other and such last night. The U.S. is pretty undisputed the kings of the region right now. Okay, I like it. So they do get Canada uh, in the CONCACAF Nations League final. What are some early thoughts there on that? Because I've, I've read, too, it's kind of an emerging rivalry. Yep. Like, it's kind of the rivalry has shifted, right? It was at first to the south. Yeah. Now it's emerging to the north. This is very much a little brother, big brother sort of thing. Yeah. In the sense that Canada just made their second World Cup uh, last year. Before that, they'd only made it in 1986. And, but they won the qualifying in CONCACAF. They finished first. Now, finishing first and finishing third, you still qualify. There's no, like, trophy for it or anything. Mm. So it's not – they didn't win a tournament in the same sense. Canada hasn't won a CONCACAF tournament since 2000. But they've got this up-and-coming generation. They've got several you know, young stars. Uh, they're trying to merge it with their veterans. And they're not as good 1 through 11 as the U.S. They're not as deep yet. 
but they're kind of where the U.S. was, I don't know, 20, 25 years ago, where you're, where you're getting there. And they're the legit, probably second best team in CONCACAF right now. Okay. So I, they talk a lot. They think they're probably a little bit better, which makes this fun. So this should be a good game. I don't expect the theatrics that you have against Mexico, but it should be a pretty competitive game, just not quite as nuts. So what's the difference between what we're watching with the Nations League final and the Gold Cup <laughs> that gets started next yeah. Saturday? Uh, and they're both CONCACAF tournaments. Right. Nations League basically has a group stage and then semis and final, but it's stretched over a year or two. Mm -hmm. Gold Cup is your traditional soccer tournament where everything's done in three, four weeks. Uh, again, there's a group stage. There's a knockout stage. For the U.S., they'll have a different roster. This roster for Nations League is mostly European guys. Uh, for Gold Cup, it's going to be mostly MLS guys. Uh, well, it just has to do with getting guys a break and everything like that. The U.S. will still be favored. You know, if they don't win, it's probably going to be a disappointment. Uh, and if they run into Mexico again, Mexico will have largely the same team. They're addressing this a little bit differently. They may have a different coach. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, the U.S. is going to be the favorite. Anything less than that, you know, it's in the U.S. Anything less than a win is going to be disappointing to some extent, yeah. Really quick, so if we're looking at it, because we do have lines up for next Saturday, uh, instead of diving into specific games, any recommendations for anybody who wants to start handicapping and getting ready for it, whether it's like rosters, availability statistics? For the Gold Cup? Yeah, for the Gold Cup. Um, I haven't looked at the futures on it, to be honest. Yeah. But, I mean, U.S. has got to be your favorite. Canada ought to be your second favorite. You know, if there's a decent line on, say, Canada getting to the final, I think that would be uh, a pretty reasonable thing. I'm not touching Mexico. Mm -hmm. They're just a mess. Like I said, they may change coaches in the week between this tournament and next week. Uh, and anyone beyond that is, you know, different degrees of long shot. So going against anyone but those top two, you know, Canada, you can probably get a decent price, at least to reach the final, maybe to win the whole thing. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's U.S. or Mexico. Anything other than that, you're just kind of throwing darts. So the other thing that is, of course, coming up, it, man, it's it's so funny. Like, it's such a, a low-key, busy summer, mm -hmm. right? Because you know, I'm a basketball guy. You have the FIBA World Cup actually coming up later in, yeah. in hoops. So, like, there's going to be a lot there. So we have the Women's World Cup coming up this summer as well. So what are we expecting in terms of the Women's World Cup? It could, obviously, out here, uh, there's probably a lot of thoughts of, like, let's go, yep. USA. they got to be yep. the big favorite. But it doesn't seem like that's there, but there's that big of a gap between them and England. Yeah, U.S. is the favorite. Yep. But, yeah, you're looking at a plus 250-ish, give or take, depending on your book. England's, yeah, for those watching, we got yeah, them on right there. England's yeah, not USA far behind them, plus 350. Uh, the story of all these top teams, these top five teams especially, they're all dealing with some level of injuries and or players missing. You know, the U.S. has lost Mallory Swanson, Katarina Macario, two Probable starter Swanson's been their top scorer for the last couple of years. England has lost four players from their team that won Euros last year to either injury or retirement, and they have a couple others that are on the bubble. Uh, Spain has a lot of players in and out. Germany reached the Euro finals last year and lost to England. They have injury questions as well. Uh, France has a new coach, and their players kind of quit on their old coach, and now they're back. So all these teams have these big right. question marks. Uh, the U.S. is definitely still the best team, but it seems like every tournament, you know, that number gets right. a little bit shorter yep. or, or a little bit longer, I guess I should say, to win the title. Would there be, is there any, anything in terms of like the middle range here for talking about like Australia, Sweden, Netherlands, or is there just too much of a talent discrepancy where you're probably sticking with, if you're betting anything, these top six or top, top yep. five choices? I mean, on the list, I kind of like Germany. Okay. You can probably find, I saw plus 750 on them elsewhere this morning. Uh, I think their midfield's especially strong. Uh, Australia, so the tournament's in Australia, New Zealand, mm -hmm. so they're at home. So that's something. Yeah, uh, They've always kind of underachieved mostly on the global stage, so I'm not real excited about that. Sweden at 14 to 1 is interesting. Sweden is just always a thorn in everybody's side. They're like, they're good. They're never one of the top, like, two or three teams, but they're always right there. You know, they've 
finished second at the Olympics in 2016. They knocked or they beat the U.S. Uh, a couple tournaments ago. So they're, they're always a tough out. I don't know that I'm going to pick them to win, but mm -hmm. maybe go deep might be another option for that. Uh, and something else to keep in mind, this is the 32-team tournament for the first time. So in the group stage, your discrepancy between, we'll say, you know, the U.S. and the bottom of the group, like Vietnam, Philippines at the bottom yeah. of some of these groups, it's going to be pretty wide. Really? So your yeah. top teams shouldn't have much trouble getting out of the groups. Like Germany has a pretty cake group, which is part of the reason I, I kind of like them okay. uh, to go somewhere. So just keep an eye on it. Some of the groups are a little tougher than others, but I wouldn't expect you know, any of these teams we're looking at here to not get out of the group stage. Then at least in the round of 16 and you got the knockout version. All right, we got the third. Go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, JVT, for regular numbers games listeners too, uh, Paul liking Germany is going to be a big surprise. <laughs> big surprise. Yeah, Men yeah or shocker. Women, right? <laughs> I think I've had a future on Germany for every Men's or Women's World Cup for okay. the last you know, 10, 15 years, it seems like, one way or the other. So, yeah, it is kind of a reflex play of sorts. But I think it's, it's legit also, as I outlined. So really quick, our last minute or so here, I'll just ask the general question. Uh, in these markets on game-to-game -game basis, is there a lot of, do you see market support for the U.S. that, like, edges on public? Like, are they a little yeah. overvalued on a match -to -match basis? Generally. Yeah. I think that works for the women. I think it works for the men. Yep. You know, you look like this game against Canada. U.S. is around even money to win. It's probably a little bit generous. So, yeah, on the whole, the U.S. tends to be a public team yeah. in the U.S., of course. And sometimes you even compare, like, a U.S. line versus a European line. You see that. It's not a giant gap. Right. But you see, you know, a few cents here and there that, that could make a difference. It matters. Right. Yeah. Well, especially in a tournament like this where in the Men's World Cup, generally USA is going to be find themselves plus price underdog right. whatever. These women are going to be right. favorites a lot of the yeah, time. Yeah, so. big favorites. You have, you know, when they play – some of the underdogs in the early rounds are going to be, you know, massive goal spreads, you know, four, right. five, six and a half, because U.S. beat Thailand 13-0 last time. So I don't expect that to happen again. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it's not half. off the table against Vietnam either. Cool. Paul Carr, hey, so what are you doing? What else? What's the plan for the rest of the day? Huh? Today's game notes. Got to yep. get everything done. Uh, I was going to go sit by the pool, but the weather doesn't seem to be still raining, playing huh? along right now. Yeah, so we're going to do that. Going to meet up with some people tonight, find a good place for dinner. Cool. Go from there. Well, I know I'm not Gil, but thanks for coming in. No, I appreciate great. it. Good to see I you. do have like the 5 o'clock stubble like Gil does. Go. Yeah, I got to so hey, you got I'll the jacket. The yep. Jacket like Gil. Exactly. Yeah. All right. That does it for us. A numbers game. Gil will be back on Monday, by the way. So, Paul, thank you very much. for appreciate you coming in. Have a good weekend, everybody. There's a new way to bet on things outside of sports with Calshi. Maybe you have a thought on TikTok. Will Congress ban it or won't they? Taylor Swift's new album, Will or Won't It Be Album of the Year? What about Biden's approval rating? And a whole lot more. You can trade futures on all of that and make money if you're correct. $10 bonus to the first 500 people who sign up by going to calshi.com slash numbers game spelled K-A-L-S-H-I. There's no guarantee of performance and an investor could lose their entire investment, including fees. iHeartMedia does not recommend any investments. See further disclosures at calshi.com. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.